0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, folks. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful day, and I'm glad you're here. I hope that you took the trouble to pick up a bulletin on your way in because inside of the bulletin there's a little insert that i want you to read because it's uh an effort to keep you all informed of uh, what's going on in uganda and 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 over a period of time we'll keep inserting things until we get a mailer that we can send to everybody But that'll just kind of keep you informed, and we, we want that to happen. We don't like... In any church, you don't like to have secrets. You don't like to have stuff. You want everybody to know everything. And then you don't... You keeps down rumors. There's no, you know, things going. And so it's just an effort to let you know that and, and to keep you informed. The... Um, this past week... There's been several things that have happened that not all of them good. Um, there's a funeral this coming Tuesday at one o'clock. Bonnie, uh, Sylvia, and Ruth and any of that family uh, brother died and uh, will be buried uh, this coming Tuesday. The funeral's at one o'clock at uh, uh, in at the funeral home there in so and there's some other things that I really don't have time for <clears throat> so let's just dive into the sermon and uh, it's it's a little bit different because we haven't spent a lot of time with parables and this is a parable and a couple of parables really uh, on the subject of prayer and it's in the 18th chapter of the book of Luke Uh, I've tried to explain this to you on numerous times you'll notice over a period of time that much of what Jesus explains has had a text for that explanation in the Sermon on the Mount and the one that he spends more time on than any other is the subject of the kingdom of God. Someone asked me about this morning. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and he spends time working on that. And the other thing that he does is he addresses the subject of prayer. And that's what we're working on today. And it's a little different thing than you probably uh, would suspect. I don't know about you, but from the time that I can remember... I was in Sunday school or church. And back then, on Sundays and Wednesdays, we had no competition. In some states, they even had what's called blue laws. The blue laws forbade that different people opened their business on Sunday. You just weren't allowed to do that. I know it wouldn't be very popular, but I wish they'd do it again <laughs> because of... Uh, of uh, the competition that we have is hard to compete with. The 18th chapter, then, of the uh, of the book of Luke, comments on this subject <clears throat> of prayer because the Jews, and especially the Pharisees, were deeply religious people. And Jesus probably bad-mouthed them more than everybody else put together. And the reason for it was that too much of what they did was a performance of ritual rather than an expression of conviction of the heart. Does that make sense? Which meant then, if what I'm going through I don't really believe and I really don't practice, is a type of hypocrisy and Jesus isn't real big on hypocrisy he nails it pretty hard and so he'll mention here the Pharisees but please understand that not all the Pharisees were bad it's just that the the ones who were deeply religious and had a tendency to use their religion for selfish purposes, Jesus was really hard on them. Some of the good guys that you would know that were specifically mentioned as being Pharisees that you would appreciate, the guy where Jesus' body was buried, the tomb where he was buried, was given to them by a Pharisee. The guy that came to Jesus at night because he was afraid of the political pressure of the day, came to Jesus at night and asked him questions about the kingdom of God, was a Pharisee. Most of you know the name of Nicodemus. And so he was in that third chapter of John, simply because John 3.16 is there and some of the things that 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 i have learned in the last i would say 5 or 10 years it has taken me and i'm i'll soon be 86 it has taken me a long time to get straight in my mind some passages of scripture in regard to prayer you see when as i said I, since i can remember we were in church my mother was real hardcore and uh, you just didn't miss we went to sunday morning sunday night wednesday night prayer meeting and we did not miss and even the kids went now we had an ulterior motive because if, if when we were teenagers if you go to prayer meeting then we got the car on thursday night to go to lucky buck night at the movie on on thursday so you know so that came in handy so that our motives weren't always very pure but jesus addresses this thing and and from the time that i was young you would go to a sunday school class and the teacher would teach you to pray and we all did this and we would bow our heads and that concept stuck with me in class in bible college You bowed your head and you prayed. For your meals, you bow your head and you pray. Now, I'm not bad-mouthing that. I'm simply saying that that put in my head, at least, both the way you pray and your physical position while you're praying. And that made an indelible impression on me because that's all I heard for several years. And then I go to the Scripture And I find some things there that really bother me. Things like, how do you pray without, King James would say, how do you pray without ceasing? Well, if you're programmed either to get on your knees or sit down, isolate yourself into a prayer room, How are you going to do that all the time? I think the answer is it can't be done. And yet, the scripture says, pray all the time. So, uh, if, you, if you pray all the time, how are you ever going to get anything done? Because in 1 Thessalonians, 5th chapter, verse 16 here's what it says be joyful always Well, that's a tough one too and then he says pray continually as i said king james says without ceasing and then verse 18 says give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god for you in christ jesus pray without ceasing how in the world are you going to do that and be obedient to the scripture if you're programmed to kneel how are you going to do that and yet it's there well then Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 18 of the book of Luke then Jesus told his disciples a parable now I need to tell you what a parable is The word parable, it's just a little story to illustrate something. The word, English word parable, comes from two Greek words. One, para, means beside, your side, para, your side. The word then, balo, means to toss or to throw. That's where we get the word, English word, ball. So it is a parabolo or parable. It turned out to be in English, which means that something that has been pitched in alongside for the sake of of clarity is the literal meaning of the scripture, the word in scripture. And that is which means then, here's the subject. It's prayer. Pray, he says, and not give up. Pray and not give up. And so he's going to then throw a little story in alongside of that statement for the purpose of clarity. It's called a parable. And the first one is called the, sometimes called the parable of the unjust judge. Other time it's referred to as the parable of the persistent widow. And here's the reason. In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. Seems like a, from Washington. And there was a. I, I'm not showing my bias here at all. Just trying to be. I'm which I'm lying. And and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. She said, "Grant me justice against my adversary." Here's a widow who had been mistreated by someone in the community and that wasn't unusual in that culture because if a lady's husband died and he wasn't wealthy she didn't and and she didn't have a a rich daddy to go back to she was in a real pickle and the people who recruited for prostitutes actually went to widows in that predicament to help them make a living And so, this particular lady had had someone, probably a wealthy someone, take unfair advantage of her that crossed the legal lines. And she came to the judge for justice. Grant me justice against my adversary, she said. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God... And I don't care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Now, here's what she was doing. She would come to him. He had his office hours. And when he showed up in the morning there, she sat in the waiting room to see him. And so he tells this secretary, you tell her I'm really busy. And I can't see her until after lunch. And she says, that's all right, I brought my lunch. But he goes, sneaks out and goes home early, comes back the next morning, and there she sits again with her lunch. She just wouldn't go away. And this takes on some interesting phrases here. He said, yet because this widow keeps bothering or pestering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't continually wear me out with her coming. Now, what you don't see in your text there that is literally true in the Greek text is that it says, so she won't give me a black eye. That's the literal translation of that text. Now, why they said why they didn't do that like that, but she's, he's not talking about a fist in the eye. He's talking about a in his name. And the Lord said, listen what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night while he keeps putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Now, there's two different ways that this particular parable is addressed by scholars one of it who says that it is the parable of the persistent widow they talk about the value of persistence in prayer because the subject now is prayer isn't it the subject of persistence in prayer and there is reason to believe that that's a good thing because persistence indicates sincerity it indicates you just this is really important to me and not to give up because he said in the opening text that he was teaching should always pray and not give up then the other who, who translate this thing and say this is what jesus meant because there's discussion among Bible-believing people over what Jesus' point is. I, I don't deny that the persistence is a good thing, but I don't think that's the point here at all. The point here is related, the difference between the judgment that we get in the world and the judgment we receive in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus spends most of his time talking about the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God when god's people cry out he pays attention if you go back in the old testament in the second chapter of the book of exodus where the children of israel are in a heap of trouble they went down there just to get something to eat because of a famine and then over a period of years they stayed put and then uh, a pharaoh that didn't know joseph got in control and ended up causing them to be slaves And here in in both the second chapter and in the third chapter, the Lord addresses the fact that he has heard the cries of his people. And so having heard their cries, he seeks out a deliverer, Moses, who is a type of Christ here for delivering his people. And he particularly says that the reason he did it is he heard their cry for help. He said the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God, and God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he sent a deliverer. He heard their cries. Whereas, in our world today, the pagan world doesn't pay much attention most people in political arenas sad but true are more interested in their re-election than the taking care of the people Now i know that's a broad-based thing because and 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 there are wonderful exceptions i'm certain just as there were wonderful exceptions to uh to who the the pharisees were but I think persistence has something to be said for it, and I just don't want to rule that out. I think persistence is really a good thing in many ways. The most impressive people in, in history, and I kind of like history, one of the most impressive are the people that I really, just really like, even though he was a fifth-a-whiskey drinker every day and kind of an old cuss was Winston Churchill. Churchill, I believe, was actually used by God. And he, because he was so eloquent in his speaking, he encouraged the people of England to persist. Hang in there. Hang in there. And he, he actually carried them with his voice in those early days of the Blitz on London. And, and I've read his speeches as he emphasizes what they should do. He gave this speech before the House of Commons in June 1940. And he ended it this way. He said, We shall go on to the and left out a whole bunch of stuff. Here. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We will never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, Then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, get this, the new world with all its power and might, that new world is us. Until America comes and rescues them is what he's saying. Steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the world. What he was saying in northern Kentucky in talk without all the eloquence, is hang in there. It's the only way you win. Hang in there. And and, And what Jesus is illustrating here in this parable is hang in there, keep on praying, and don't faint. Because God hears what you're saying, and he will respond, but it'll be in his good time when he knows it's best for everybody. I have seen things like that happen that were unbelievable and I just could shake my head and and I think I've told you before in a town north of Kampala in Uganda it's called Loero. You turn there and go about 10 miles out into the bush. A little old woman there lived in a little old closet for about three years she started a school for the children out in the bush they put poles up and put a tin roof on it and started the school then some wealthy american built them a church building and they started using it for the school And then she actually had a small school building. And she told me one day, she said, would you walk with me? And I said, sure. So we took a walk probably a few hundred yards to some houses that were never finished. Brick homes look pretty good, but were never finished. And she said, I've been faithful to God. I've given up everything to serve him, and he's going to give me a house before I die." I said, well, I hope you're right. I didn't believe it for a minute, but because they don't have anything. And this last visit, I got in the vehicle with Hassan, and we drove up to Loero and then headed back into the bush. And instead of going to the school, I thought, where are you going? He didn't say anything. He just kept driving through places that you couldn't drive. And all of a sudden, we pulled in this little area, and there was a beautiful, brand-new little home. And we get out of the vehicle and walk up there, and out she comes. God had given her a house, a new house. And she was she was literally jumping up and down and rejoicing and showing us her house that God had given her. If you have a problem, I'd get her number. Why? Because she persisted in saying, God, you know, before I die, could I have a house? And what she does is she shows this house to as many people as she can saying, this is what God has given me. It's a magnificent testimony. And he knew she was going to use it for that purpose. Probably that's why he gave it to her. You see, she persisted. And persistence so often, in, even in adverse circumstances, leads to victory. Well, there's another parable here that uh, we want to address before we take up our bed and walk and this was uh, uh, the parable of the pharisee and the tax collector this one's a little easier to, to deal with now remember the who the pharisees were there was a group of pharisees I mean, they were so proud of themselves. They were so proud of their religion. And and they assumed that their religion made them better than anybody else. And they actually bragged about it. They would get to this. This is not an exaggeration. This is what Jesus was alluding to. They would be walking down the street wearing their robes. and, And if there was a Gentile or a woman walking close by they would grab their robes like this because they didn't want any of that to rub off them because they actually prayed and we have copies of their prayer lord i am grateful that i wasn't born a gentile or a woman you can see why that widow had it tough and so they were they were just really nasty about that and uh, and they they were so proud of their heritage They bragged about it all the time. And the Apostle Paul actually makes reference to this in the book of Philippians himself when he talks about his heritage. He says, in the third chapter, he says, If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to a law, a Pharisee, As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, flawless. That's how he described himself. Flawless under the law. The laws that they made up themselves. These were the people who used prayer as an announcement to the public. Rather than a petition to God, does that make sense? You know why I am mentally programmed against long public prayers. It doesn't take long to say, "Lord, thank you for the beans and the and the potatoes and eat it." but this guy here he he was that Jesus is referring to that evidently was typical of the pharisees more often than not actually took place in what would be their church building in the temple here was a here was this pharisee who got in the part of the temple that was a little higher than everybody else where most of the people were gathered and he made his prayer which really wasn't a prayer to god it was an announcement to the people and then there was a guy who was a jewish guy but he was a tax collector and the tax collectors then were actually employees of the roman government and so they they were hated rome was hated and the tax collectors were hated and they were crooks you remember there was a little bitty tax collector when jesus was coming into jericho one day there was a little guy who was anxious to hear about him he knew he was a crook Remember Zacchaeus, wee little man, wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree. The Lord He wanted to see. You remember that? And 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 that sycamore tree. There is a sycamore tree in downtown old Jericho that's still there. So many people were climbing up it. They finally built a fence around it, and you can't actually get to it. But you can see it, and that's Zacchaeus' tree. Now it's a fake, because much of what's in Jerusalem in uh, in Israel today is for tourists and not. Solid biblical stuff. And this guy's name was Zacchaeus. And Jesus came along. And there's that sucker setting up a tree. And, and he said, hey, Zac. What are you doing for lunch today? I'd like to go talk to you. Now, what Jesus did was a violation of the existing Jewish law. He was going to go hang out with a sinner. And a hated sinner at that. In the discussions that Jesus had with him, because his conscience must have already been bothering him, in the discussions Jesus had with him, he said, Lord, if I have stolen anything from anybody, and, and you remember I told you that the ifs, conditional clauses, there were four of them. If is first class condition. If I have stolen anything, and I have, or if i have stolen anything and maybe i have maybe i haven't and if i have stolen anything number three and i probably haven't and if number four if i've stolen anything and i know i haven't this was number one if i have taken anything from anybody and i have i will repay it four times over is what he told jesus well jesus wasn't looking for retribution here he was he was looking to change a man from the inside out. And his name was Zacchaeus. So let's assume, probably wasn't, but it could be, that the guy in the temple in this parable was Zacchaeus. Here's a guy who knows he's met Jesus. He knows he has stolen from people. He knows he's been treated people unfairly. And he's sitting in there, and the Lord has convicted his heart. You know, I believe in preaching that produces conviction of the heart. I really do. I think we are in danger at times of baptizing people who just joined the church rather than people who have are convicted of their sin and know if something doesn't change, I'm in a heap of trouble. Years ago, before I came on the scene, that's a long time ago, They used to have a pew in the church building. And if you were one of those who were struggling with your sin, you would go sit in that pew so everybody could pray for you. It was called the mourner's bench. That's what it was called. And a lot of the churches on the frontier had them. It's when people come what we call under conviction, awareness of their sinful state, And know they're in a heap of trouble. And longing to do something about it. That's the nature of the head and the heart. Of this tax collector. A publican they called him in that day. I didn't say republican. But even though it might fit. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. And looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. It'll be like coming into a church building. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. I call this a public announcement. and I don't think it's fair even to call it a prayer, even though it, it was supposed to be that. God, he said... I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. By the way, that's more than the law required. And I give a tenth of all I get. I'd like to have him here for the teaching. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Now, he those the temple was divided up into several different courts there was the court of the Gentiles the court of the women and the 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 court where these guys were and then the next one they couldn't get into because that's where the priest went and then all the way back was the Holy of Holies where only the high priest went and primarily on the Day of Atonement in September (coughs) he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said God Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, understand something. We often refer to this (laughs) as a sinner's prayer. And it is that this is a Jewish man who is a citizen of Israel one of the chosen of god this has nothing at all to do with the church you see the bible is is separate has three different areas that are distinct you have the old testament law and the and the jesus said the law was until john john the baptist he means And then Jesus shows up who is God in the flesh. Now we have a section called the ministry of Christ who has, as God, had the capacity to forgive sin. And then on the day of Pentecost, the church began and the Holy Spirit came and and anointed it as the real thing that God wants to exist. This took place under the ministry of possibly the law or for sure the ministry of of Christ himself. Jesus said concerning that guy who said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, meaning the publican, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, Went home justified before God. For everyone who humbles himself, who exalts himself, will be humbled, and anyone who humbles himself would be exalted. Humility is something that we sometimes don't really understand. Humility is more more than just an attitude. It is an attitude that translates itself into behavior. Miss Francis, one of the people who helped found our church here, you old-timers would know her. Frances Capp, she'd, she'd say every once in a while, when something good would happen that she'd participated in, she'd say, I'm just humbled by it. Miss Frances was a lot of things, but she wasn't very humble. And, 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 I mean, as far as performance is concerned, she she was really a, a magnificent politician. And proud of it. She would have been a happy Chandler man in Kentucky years ago. Most of you don't know what that means, but uh, anyway, Jesus is talking about approaching God from the standpoint of anything other than, I don't have any business here. I, I'm, I mean, I'm in the presence of divinity, and I know that I have violated the laws of God. My knees are knocking. By the way, an old preacher told me one time, he said, if your knees are knocking, try kneeling. Not bad, huh? Some of the old guys had some good stuff. Well, anyway, now, let's put all that on hold. Try to help you understand what the Scripture is saying. Now then, I want to talk about praying without ceasing and how it can be done and how you can do it too. It took me 50, 60 years to finally resolve and figure out just exactly what the Apostle Paul meant when he said to pray continually. Because I, like most of you, have been programmed to believe that prayer requires uh, uh, annealing, uh, whatever, a certain position, so on and so forth. But I was wrong. Prayer is consciousness. Now, get this, because it's very important. Prayer is consciousness of the presence of God with you. Now, get this, because, it's, and, and you say, well, how, how, you, you need to know that if you're born again, if you are a Christian and you know that Jesus is your Savior, Here's what, the, here's what the book of Hebrews says. Starting at verse 5, 13, chapter. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, what he's saying is, when you're born again and the Spirit of God enters your body, the Lord is with you on a Continuum whether you're conscious of it or not that's not my problem that's yours but prayer is the awareness of the presence of god so that you can have intercourse verbally intercourse with him on a continuum wherever you are whatever you're doing i learned a long time ago i'm talking about 10 15 years ago in driving around in the car was a magnificent time for me to be praying for different ones of you. I go by the house over here. Uh, as I go, uh, Because this week I went by Shipley's house and I looked up and I, I saw his car sitting there and I prayed for Juan and his wife and his little girl who's down at Northern Kentucky University and the next little girl who comes here, both adopted kids. He's, Retired from the police force, now doing substitute teaching, trying to make ends meet. That's just one example. I was on my way over to buy a lottery ticket. Don't tell anybody I bought him, but I did. And Anyway, and I go by the house there. And, uh, and I, I, but I found out a long time ago. And occasionally, and I'll taking testify to this, just for no obvious reasons, I'll turn down a street where I know one of you live. on purpose just to be reminded to pray for you and 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 i've learned that i don't have to stop the car and do all this nonsense because in here and here my heart is offering you up to god when i hear that there's somebody sick you know because this week, we've, you know, had James in the hospital dying up here, and, and uh, you'd see his sisters with stuff on the Internet. Alice Kay would show me. So you get in the house, and you drive by them. You don't bother them. You don't have to. And I've learned, because I see people coming in. I stand out front. I don't stand out there. I stand out there for two reasons. Number one, to help me remember your name. Because that's not as easy as you think it is, and it gets tougher every year. And especially if you want to know right away. Now, the time you get in here and sit down, I figured out who you are. I mean, I know who you are, but I remember your name then. It just just doesn't come around like it ought to. And, but it helps me just to see. And I, I saw Ted Smith coming in yesterday, walking like this. You know, he'd had an oblation, and, and it didn't work, and they had to take him back, and he had anesthesia twice, and, and I ran into him. And and, and so, you, you know, you see him coming, and you, and you just start praying for him when you see him coming. Now, that's just an illustration of, of what goes on. When, when you find out, you don't have to get on your knee. Now, sometimes, because I've spent... More time than you would ever imagine on my face here on this floor and then the chapel back there. Because one time when things get really serious and intense, you do have a tendency to fall on your face before God. But I'm talking about just everyday life, you know. And when you drive, you, could, you, can, you are praying for people just when their, when their name comes to your mind or you see their house or you hear them hear their name mentioned. And I've often thought that if I were, I'll pick on doctors, because there's a pretty one over here. Pretty one's over here. So I'll pick on them. If I were you, and I were going from, because each of you all have these little cubby holes where you sit somebody down and you make them wait for three hours to get to them, and then you come, (laughs) and then... And then you, you finally get over there to them. You know, and you have to leave this one to get to this one. You look at your little chart there, and it has their name on it. That's a real good time to say, Lord, be with me as I go in here. Because you're not perfect. And you're not always right. You try to be. But it sure is helpful to know that God's going with you. Three of my kids studied law, so I have to mention that. It's kind of impossible for me to believe that God would bless a lawyer, but I know he does. (laughs) But it would be wonderful if you could have a lawyer that you knew before he sat down with you, had said, Lord, help me to help these people who find themselves in a pickle. You see, you didn't have to go to a church building. You didn't have to go to a chapel. Why? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Matthew did a really good job last last week of pointing it out. He, when the time that you were saved, he came into your life with the promise never to leave you nor forsake you. So you have the abiding presence of the Spirit of God, and you can have... Verbal conversation with Him, both listen and talk, anytime, anywhere, or all the time. And that's not just for preachers. That's for all who have been born from above. And you ain't going to get to heaven unless you're born from above. There was a... A little book I read years ago. evidently didn't sink in very good. It was called Practicing the Presence. It's the name of the book. And it was written by an old Carmelite monk back in the 14th century. Little book. His, na- his name was, uh, no, it was the 15th century. Pardon me, 1690-something. And his name uh, was th- that he chose, not his real name, was Brother Lawrence. And I read I've read that several times, practicing the presence, practicing the presence. and I've tried to figure out in my mind all week long, how can you, each one of you who've been born again, how can you get to the place where you can pray without ceasing? That doesn't mean your mouth is moving all the time Because pray praying is more an attitude toward God and awareness of His presence than it is the manipulation of your lips. Now, there's nothing wrong with the manipulation of your lips on occasion. But communicating, and the Bible says, get this, how important is it? The Bible says, let's see, what have I got? Three minutes. The Bible says, that there are times that we run into situations where we don't know what to pray for. I've been at hospice and other places at times, you didn't know whether to pray for the person to get well or to hurry up and let them die. You didn't know. And you couldn't say it to the family, they didn't need to hear something like that. But when that time comes, let me tell you the secret that it shouldn't be a secret. And it's found in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter. The Pentecostals think they have a lock on this, but they don't. Because they use it sometimes to, to emphasize speaking in tongues, and I'm not certain that's true either in this case. But listen what it says. Verse 26, chapter 8, Romans. In the same way, The Spirit, who lives within us, helps us in our weaknesses. When you're into a situation like that, and you don't know how to pray for, that's your weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans of words that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. So even when we run out of words and we're in a situation that we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, the Spirit of God intercedes and speaks to the Father on our behalf for who we're praying. I think that should be a, a comforting thing to anybody. And it's been a release for me to grant a, a degree of freedom to go about my life with. And, and as I go, knowing that I'm walking in the presence of the living God, and the great thing is when you, beca- when you become aware of His, res- his, his, his presence, on a continuum, and that can happen to you. But I'm going to suggest something to you because it took me 50 years to get here. I think I can get you there in a few weeks. I think that if you would make the commitment with me this morning, that uh, at, mark on your calendar like the Jews did or the Muslims do. Here, here's a on your daily calendar two, three, four times a day when you can look at something you look at all the time that that says be conscious of the presence of God just to remind you because we'll get so busy we won't especially if we're not in the habit but when you get in the habit of reminding yourself everything you see will remind you God is here God is with me and we're a team and folks without with him nothing is impossible a little a, a beautiful little home in the bush of uganda from a woman who doesn't have enough money to buy a pot of beans consciousness of the presence of god and persisting in seeking first the kingdom God, will open avenues that you cannot possibly understand. I got called on the carpet for this last night by some well-meaning people. But this past week, something I thought significant happened. Aske and I were out getting a little bite to eat, because she has me convinced it's eat Easier and cheaper to buy than it is to cook at home. I, I think she's conning me, but that's still all right. And uh, And we ran into, now listen carefully. I ran into Rick Clark. I hadn't seen that kid for I don't know how long. And there was a time back when I'd like to bong him on the head with a ball bat or something. you know. I was so angry, but he didn't see me. So I walked up and tapped him on the shoulder said how you doing hoss and we visited for a few minutes what i'm telling you is when you are aware that you're living breathing operating in the presence of the living god even when you run into uncomfortable circumstances there is a degree of satisfaction and comfort that are beyond the words to express And I can tell you, as God is my witness, if that kid would call me and say, I need something, I'd be there before he could realize it. God is merciful, and God is gracious, and God is with us. And if we're aware of his presence and willing to do his will wonderful things can happen so lord bless this gathering of people i pray that they'll have the courage to seek you and your kingdom and mark on their daily calendar of activities a little reminder that you are there with the promise never to leave them or forsake them. It's a joy and a privilege for me, Father, to commit them all to your care and keeping. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.